Welcome back for part three of my Jonathan Creek retrospective. Christmas of 2001 saw the release of the Jonathan Creek Christmas special Satan's Chimney. I remember this one very well, but it is very hard to track down on streaming for no clear reason. Directed by Sandy Johnson, it features two locked door mysteries. The opening features a medieval execution of a witch or heretic witnessed by a minister. What a cheerful way to celebrate Christmas! Anyway, the title refers to the method of execution in which a person is tied to the floor of a round room with only a small hole in the ceiling. The door is locked, and when they reopen it a few minutes later, nothing is left but some smoldering ashes. This two-hour special would see the introduction of Carla Borrego, the hot-headed theatrical agent for a modern-day Houdini-style escapologist. An actress filming a scene on location is mysteriously shot without any evidence of a person in the room. No evidence of the shot coming from outside, and a slew of people all too happy to do her in. The solution to this facet was one I actually figured out on the rewatch without remembering it. Since the actress was the ex-wife of the escapologist, this leads Jonathan and Carla to the filming location at the castle with the eponymous Satan's Chimney. The escapologist is dared to try to escape the chamber, but disappears, and nothing but a skeleton is found when they reopen the door. Soon after, he calls Jonathan on his cell phone to tell him he's onto something and not to look for him. But the next day, Jonathan and Carla find him washed up by the brook, with the coroner saying he had fallen from a great height. I remember thinking that the floor probably flipped when the door was locked, but that wouldn't explain the smoldering ashes. The actual solution is pretty grisly, so be prepared for a rather shocking ending. In addition, the story features a subplot with Bill Bailey as Kenny, a struggling magician, who Adam and Jonathan take on out of pity. Carla is introduced as a horrible person and maintains that persona all the way to the end. The fact that they tried to make this a romance for Jonathan is awful. This was when Maddie was said to be in America throughout the rest of the series, basically just promoting her books for years. It was an unceremonious way to write her out of the series when her interplay with Jonathan was always some of the best chemistry of any of his companions. The show then took a two-year break and came back in 2003 with Carla as a regular, hosting a kind of America's Most Wanted show for the UK. And this time around, she's married to a TV producer. From there on outward, the fourth season of the show is a series of stories written with a thinner, prettier blonde replacement for Caroline Quentin's Maddie McGellan, but with half the charm. In episode one of season four, The Coonskin Cap, we get a serial killer apparently known for wearing a Davy Crockett hat. A crypto-fascist police superintendent is passionate to solve the crime. A series of twists and turns in the story lay out the clues for the audience in classic style. Christine Gernon comes on as director and brings a distinctly different style to the filming and composition for a lot of the shots. Lots of trickery for more dramatic sequences, like when the killer is revealed 
and telling their side of things, there is a slower frame rate, snap zooms, and so on. It actually feels a little too extra for what only needs to be a scene of the sequence of events that led the killer to murder the victim in question. Muting the colors is standard, and it fits well for the series, where many mystery thrillers often use the flashback as part of the visual narrative while the character speaks in voiceover. Angel Hair is episode 2, and I can honestly say it's one of the sweetest episodes of the whole series. The mystery centers around a songwriter, played by Jack D, who's married to a sexy pop star. But when a busty massage therapist leads him astray, a mystery arises as they put in a mysterious videotape and see her having her head shaved by kidnappers holding up that day's newspaper. A cute subplot also involves Jonathan dating a hair and makeup woman who is more comfortable relating with dogs than humans. There is also a Seinfeldian subplot about Carla being bothered that her OBGYN has a rap album in his briefcase, an album with rather explicit lyrics. But all the plots resolve themselves rather well, especially the main story, which had me saying, aww, a couple of times. Episode 3 is The Tailor's Dummy, and it's a real head-scratcher. In this story, a fashion designer who has led a family empire for years jumps out a window, apparently after reading a bad review. However, the question remains, if he was going to kill himself, why would he throw his beloved parrot out the window still in its cage? The resolution borrows a bit from Season 3, Episode 2, The Eyes of Tiresias, without being a carbon copy. The nature of how it all happened is even more ghastly than the death itself. The story features a secondary mystery around how the woman who wrote the bad review had a strange set of circumstances emerge when an attacker switched from being the son of the dead designer to being some random black man without any means of pulling a switch. The solution to this one is why I call it a head-scratcher. This is the last of the episodes directed by Christine Gernon, as the rest of the season is by good old Sandy Johnson. Episode 4, The Seer of the Sands, has a number of fascinating mysteries to it. A supernatural investigator drives his boat into some rocks to end his life after receiving a fax from his lover, an American woman trapped in a loveless marriage. But the fax was good news saying her husband would sign the divorce papers and they could be together. Believing in the supernatural herself, she calls in a Romani woman to see into her future, but despite witnessing it from the shadows, Jonathan doesn't believe she's psychic, let alone Romani. The double mystery to this story ties up nicely by the end and leaves the viewer a little saddened, but such is life. Episode 5 is The Checkered Box, and in this story, Jonathan is trying to figure out how a police detective could be present at the site of a grisly murder when he swears that there was nobody there, despite photographic proof. Further mystery arises after Carla visits him one night and sees him handling a strange box in his living room as he confronts his daughter over something. Of all things to focus on in this case, Jonathan keeps fixating on how the detective's piece of chewing gum moved from one potted plant 
to another? Well, the solution to this one is a bit contrived, as it leaves out some details earlier in the story that we'd need in order to solve the mystery. And the answer to what's in the eponymous box is about as shocking as the end of Seven, despite being played up for drama. Gorgon's Wood is episode 6 of this season, and it brings with it a very twisting tale, as well as a twisted one. An ancient Chinese porcelain statue of a monk, allegedly cursed, disappears in front of high security. A mysterious carving in a tree makes no sense, along with all the strange faces growing from the tree's bark. But then there is the disappearance of the prime suspect's daughter, so what is the secret to be found in Gorgon's Wood? Overall, this episode winds up being a lot grittier and harder hitting than normal, with a solution to the statue's disappearance that is sugary sweet. After this season, Alan Davies mostly did a few other series like QI, Whites, and the dark comedy Damned. We got some more Jonathan Creek five years later, which we'll discuss in part four.